Some weeks, the sermons come easily. Some weeks, it feels more like walking through mud, trying to to wade through to find meaning. This is a passage with some weird details included that, that also seems to have some weird behavior from Jesus. It is also how Jesus, uh, it also has Jesus responding in ways that, that I don't want him to respond. And maybe more than anything, it feels a little all over the place. Um, and that makes it hard to find just the right point for where we're studying this scripture this morning. But today we're going to wade through it. We're going to find some humor in it and hopefully learn some things while we find ourselves and meaning in the text. When we come to our passage for today, it comes after Jesus's teaching. We've talked about it before. Jesus has just preached what's known as the Sermon on the Plain. It's a sermon that's filled with commands on the importance of loving one another, especially those that don't have much, those our society or religion would put on the margins. And then he enters Capernaum. It's interesting to me that after he's taught all of these things about taking care of the helpless and the hopeless, those who do not have much, we have this encounter with the centurion. This centurion would have been Gentile, Roman, not Jewish, and would have had a lot of power. This is someone high up in the ranks with lots of resources, both financially, in position, and in people. It was known that there were people from the Roman Empire that would serve as benefactors for the Jewish church. They liked what the people believed, uh, maybe believed it themselves, wanted to support them in their worship. And it seems that's what this man has done. And the Jewish people he's helped are so grateful. Actually, when I was reading this scripture and pondering it this week, it it kind of reminded me of like of something like when the cool kid at school becomes a Christian, or when we as a group of Christians are so thirsty for someone famous to be one of us, like Tim Tebow, or in the last couple of years when uh, Kanye has started the Sunday services, these worship services out in the desert that then went on tour and his release of the album. Jesus is King. Joel Osteen and others connected themselves to him, and Osteen actually had him come speak to his ginormous megachurch. I remember years ago seeing the Carrie Underwood album that included Jesus Take the Wheel in Lifeway Christian bookstores and thought, they do realize this is not a Christian album, right? There's a song about her destroying a cheating man's car and, among other things, a song called Inside Your Heaven, whose lyrics do not seem to be about the heaven that we talk about in church most often. (laughs) This centurion is like that. He has the power and the stature in the community, but he's heard of this Jesus fellow. This is a place where those weird details come through because it's a weird exchange here that he sends Jewish leaders. He clearly, according to the texts, asks them to go to Jesus and bring him, but then sends other word that he didn't want Jesus to actually come. He wasn't worthy. And I'm not sure if he just got confused or thought, wait, we haven't vacuumed yet. Jesus can't come. Or if his intention was never for Jesus to come, 
But we know, what we know is that he sees Jesus as having the same level of authority as he has. That's what we learn in all this weird exchange. He knows that all he has to do is give a word and things will happen. He recognizes this same authority in Jesus. I think this is what Jesus is pointing to when he praises this centurion for his faith. Jesus has seen other people with faith even greater than this weird little exchange, but it's the faith that this centurion has in him as a leader, as a person of power, power that could bring about miracles. So why does Jesus just heal the slave or servant in some translations? It could even be a child, uh, even a term used for a son or daughter, though that's probably not the most accurate translation. However, it's one some people have settled on because this is troubling. This was actually one of the texts that was used to legitimize slavery. It was one of the texts that was used um, because they said, well, if Jesus was against slavery, he would have freed him, but he didn't. Why does Jesus speak to power in his previous sermons and then give in to power here? I, I kind of want Avenger Jesus to say to this Kanye West uh, quarterback of the football team centurion, yeah, I'm going to heal him and I'll do you one better. I'm going to free him. What do you think about that? Or you free him and then I'll heal him. But Jesus just praises his faith. Before we see Jesus here as Joel Osteen standing, grinning beside Kanye, perhaps Jesus knew that to free this slave was not in his best interest. In this moment, Jesus could not and would not heal all of society. Where would this slave have gone? How would he live? They were slaves as we know the phrase, but it's also known that some were seen as part of the household family. And not just in the happy uh, Disney movie version of Song of the South kind of slave, but, but really part of the family. There's also some scholarship that says that the way this is worded in the original Greek, focusing on how important the slave was, that the centurion was actually in a relationship with this man. Whatever the larger story, I leave here not fully knowing that whole story and Jesus not fully behaving him like I want him to. Sometime after, Jesus still being followed by a crowd is he approaches another town, comes upon a funeral processional. They're carrying the dead body of the only son of a widow. That This meant that this woman would be vulnerable, not sure how she would survive. She couldn't just go and get a job. She had to have a man to provide for her and to protect her. And now she had none. And Jesus sees the woman, and different versions translate this a little differently. One is that Jesus has compassion on her. Another, that his heart goes out to her. He sees her, and he is deeply moved. Something shifts inside of him. She says nothing to Jesus, makes no request to have her son healed. Unlike the centurion who was labeled by his position of power, she is labeled by her position of vulnerability. She is a widow. Jesus tells her not to cry. 
And there's compassion in those words. He knows he's about to fix the situation for this woman, give her back what she's lost, what she's loved. He's about to give her hope. And he touches the coffin, which would have made him unclean according to the Jewish law. And this son sat up. I found humor this week in the fact that uh, Luke records that he sat up and started talking. I couldn't help but think of uh, introvert colleagues in ministry who were commiserating early in the pandemic about constantly being with their extroverted young children and realizing that they had more words than they ever knew. I sent one of them at that time a meme that said being quarantined with a talkative child is like having an insane parrot superglued to your shoulder. I'm sure this son got up and was speaking thoughtful things, or maybe it's just Luke's way of saying that he's totally normal now, but I couldn't help but find the humor in the fact that he got up and started talking. It would be easy to say that it was the great faith of the centurion or his humility and power that gave space for the healing to happen. But we have this story right on its heels with a woman who shows no faith of her own. Jesus and his crowd does not even seem to register for her. She does not approach Jesus or make a request. This funeral procession just seems to be happening nearby. And if we were to rest in the fact that Jesus just works miracles for those who are poor and vulnerable, we have the story of the centurion that counteracts that. In fact, the power of healing that Jesus brings seems to have nothing to do with either of these individuals. In fact, they aren't even the ones being healed. Jesus is interacting with people on behalf of someone else who is sick and dying. Maybe the son who is healed had great power like the centurion. We don't know. We can't know. And perhaps that's part of the point. There's also this huge crowd that's following Jesus. These would have been a mixture of people that had power, that were in the margins of society. They would have been the people who had been looking for Jesus or someone like him to come for generations. They were hungry. They were the everyday people. There might have been people in the crowds that really wanted Jesus to do a miracle for them or or wanted their situation to be fixed in the world. This week in our adult community group, we read the chapter in The Good and Beautiful God, where the author is asked by another minister in regards to his daughter's illness and uh, health issues, who sinned, you or your wife? Because it's easier to believe that bad things happen in the world because there was a cause rather than we just live in a broken world. It's easier to want a God that just sees the way that I struggle in the world. It doesn't ask me to push out to the people even further out into the margins. I want a Jesus who is predictable. But that is not what I get. I think part of what makes these two stories challenging to understand is exactly what we're supposed to see about Jesus. Jesus is challenging to understand. We keep working really hard to make God something we can understand, but 
Would we want to worship and give our lives to a God that we can grasp, handle, make sense out of, that behaves according to our sensibilities and understanding? God can be on our side and be on the side of others, whether they have more or less than us. God can love us and care about our needs, break for us when we are breaking, and see our struggles and and still call us to those even further out on the margins. Everyone needs Jesus, not just those in the church or those outside the church, not just those who are poor and not just those who are wealthy. This morning, whether you see yourself as part of the established church or established culture today or or outside of it, Jesus is there with you. Whether you see yourself as having enough or struggling to get by, Jesus is there with you. Whether you see yourself as soaring in life or barely keeping your head above water, Jesus is there with you. May you never forget, Jesus is there with you.